You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Good morning, Calvary. What is up? Can we give it up for the band, please? Come on now. Woo, you stepped into my... Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was dancing over there. Everybody was judging me. It's okay. It's all good. Hey, my name is Pastor George. For those of you who do not know who I am, I'm the worship pastor here at Calvary. And I'm usually the one singing and stuff, so I wanted to be up here so bad with these guys. It was awesome. But we're going to start today with a very, very important question. Are you ready? Okay, let's do it. Who here loves near-death experiences? Wow, there's, okay, wow, there was actually two hands, a couple hands that went up. Really? What do you guys do? Don't answer that. Okay. Wow, that's incredible. No, okay, maybe not near-death experience, but like, you know, like really crazy roller coasters, you know? Like, who, who likes roller coasters and stuff? Yeah. How about like skydiving, you know? Whoa, those hands went down quick. I was like, yeah, yeah, roller coaster, skydive. No, 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 no. I'm not going to throw you on a plane. Sure, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Well, anyway, I am a person that loves roller coasters. I love like crazy rides. I mean, give me on the craziest thing, I'm going to do it. Um, Evelyn, my wife, not so much, okay? Who doesn't like roller coasters here? Cool, cool. You can exit now. You can leave. No, no just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. No, but my, my wife, she's just like, no, no, no. She's like, I guess she's like the responsible one. She's like worries about staying alive for the kids and stuff. I don't know, whatever. It's like, I'm just trying to have fun. You know, me and my daughter, like we're the roller coaster, like, like forget about it. We do everything together. My wife and my son, they're like, no, we're, we're just, we're going to hang out in the gift shop, Okay. I'd rather, like, have the shirt that says I survived the roller coaster than actually going on the roller coaster, you know what I mean? Well, anyway, a few years ago, we were dating, well, a long time ago, actually, we were dating, and I was getting to know Evelyn, and we went on a trip with my, my family. We went up to Blizzard Beach. Anybody love Blizzard Beach? I love Blizzard Beach. My favorite part of Blizzard Beach is this thing, okay? That is called the Summit Plummet, and it's a water slide in the middle of nowhere, apparently, it's 120 feet tall, and you fly it down like a really steep angle for like, I think it's like 60 miles an hour. I mean, it was created for George. It was awesome. It was created for me. So we're, we're dating. I'm like, hey, we got to go on that thing, you know? We got to go on that. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, you know? And so we get in line, and you have to go up these stairs. And the stairs are like never ending, all the way up 120 feet. And as you get to the top, you can see all four Disney parks from the top which made me really excited, not so much for my wife. My wife is just like, she's like, at the time, my girlfriend, she's like, oh, yeah, oh, look, look, look there's Epcot. Oh, there's a, she's like, oh, that's, that's good. It's like, are you okay, you know? She waited until we were all the way at the top of this slide to give me this small piece of information that I'm actually afraid of heights. I'm like, oh, what are you doing here? You know, like, we're 120 feet. And the problem is, she's like, she starts freaking out. She's like, I can't do it, George. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I'm freaking out. You know, I'm like, hey, okay, hey, hey, relax, relax. The only problem was she's next. And the way it is, it's like everybody's waiting for you. You have a line of like a thousand people, and she sits down, and she's just shaking for the She's just like, oh, my God, oh, you know, and this, this bar goes up, and you've got to kind of push yourself, and then you just go. And thing is, when you're sitting on that slide, your legs are out and you don't feel anything. So it's just like, oh my gosh, you know? And she's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. She turns back and there's these like three and four-year-olds, come on, we're waiting for you, you know? Like, it was us, the little kids, like this big going down that slide. And she's just like, I can't do it, you know? I can't do it. <laughs> well, she finally goes, all right, that's it. And the guy's like, hey, ma'am, come on, you're, you're really holding up the line. 
Let's do it. You know, three, we all count. It's, it's a big moment. Three, two, and this is what I hear. She's sitting there, like going down this way, right? You hear three, two, one, no! Like, gone. Like, she just disappeared off the face. She's like, no! Gone. And you see, like, all the way at the end. And it was awesome. I get on the ride. I go down. I meet her down there. She's like, hey, that, that, was, that was fun. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, let's do it again. She's like, absolutely not. I'm never going to do that ever again. Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? Did you not hear me? I'm afraid of heights. I'm like, you just went down this thing. You're telling me you're still afraid of heights, you know? Have you ever been there? I think we've all been there. I mean, maybe you've had a water slide moment. I mean, I don't know if you had that moment there. But we've all had a moment where there's been some type of giant thing that we need to conquer. And we're kind of like, I don't know, we're a little iffy about it. We're like, I don't know if I could do that right now. Maybe it's an obstacle in your life. Um, maybe we're Maybe it was a water slide moment in your life. Right now, we're living in the middle of a moment where there's this giant obstacle in our life, isn't there? The elephant in the room. Nobody wants to talk about it, but it's been going on for two years. And we're like, man, when is this thing ever going to get away from us? When are we finally going to go back to life and all that stuff? But here's the thing. Maybe for you, you've, during this season, this really difficult season, you've lost some things. You know, maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've uh, lost something financially, you know, uh, maybe you've lost your house, maybe you've lost a loved one, uh, maybe you're just emotionally done and just like, I, I'm just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what else to do. And maybe instead of you trying to conquer that obstacle, conquer that water slide, you're like, George, I'm hanging out in the gift shop, okay? I'm going to pretend that this doesn't exist. I'm going to pretend that it, this problem is just going to kind of go away. So I'm just going to sit here and live my life. My life is normal. I just, I wake up every morning, I have my breakfast, I'm trying not to get killed, okay? Just, that's all I want to do, Right? And that's okay. Whether you want to tackle that obstacle, tackle that big slide, or you want, you'd rather be in the gift shop, both of those responses are fueled by the exact same thing. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about this morning, the short time that we have together. It's fueled by something that has the power to make a grown man cry, okay? And I'm not talking about another Miami Dolphins football season, okay? <laughs> You're laughing a little too hard at that joke. It just... We're trying the best that we can, okay? We've been trying for the last 30 years. Anyway, so, no, it's, I'm, talking, I'm talking about something way, way stronger, way more difficult to deal with. It's something that can fuel um, literally our relationships to fall apart. I mean, our lives to literally be paralyzed. Even when we thought that we were doing great, this thing shows up and we're like, whoa, I thought I had it all figured out. What is it? Does anybody know? What would stop Evelyn from wanting to go down 120 feet of glorious water slide? Fear, someone said it. Yeah, it's fear. And that's your first fill in your outline. Fear. What is fear? Fear, I put it in your notes, is false evidence appearing real. See, when Evelyn saw that slide, you know what she said? I'm going to die. That's what I'm going to, like, I'm not going on, I'm going to die. And I told her, I'm like, sweetie, I'm pretty sure Disney has figured out how to send thousands of people down that slide without killing them, okay? You're going to be all right. But it appear, the evidence is there. It's really high. It's going to kill me. No, no. It's a big slide, but you're not going to die. You see how fear works? It, makes you, it really does like distort our reality, distort the truths in our life because it starts holding on to us and we start running with it. Instead of fighting against it, it's like, no, no, no. It starts dictating our lives. And maybe you're here, you're sitting down today, and you're like, George, I'm not really a fearful person for the three of you that raise your hand that like near-death experiences, okay? Um, I'm, not, I'm not afraid. Okay, cool. If you were working at a job, it's Friday, about like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. Your boss shows up, says, hey, we have to have a serious talk. But it's Friday. We'll just do it on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. And he leaves. My weekend's over. 
It's over. I'm like, I'm going to be like, what did I do? What did I do? I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I don't know. Did I do the reports in time? I have no idea. <gasps> oh my gosh. Right? Fear. It shows up everywhere. Anxiety, depression. It shows up everywhere. Those are the repercussions of fear. So what I want to do is focus not on so much the fear, but I want to focus on our amazing heavenly father. I want to focus on God because God has a different plan for your life. See, God has called us to live an abundant life, not a life full of abundant fear, no, of faith, marked by faith, not by fear. So the question you and I and all of us have to ask ourselves today is how do I find courage in the midst of fear, in the middle of this crazy world, fearful, fearful world where you look at the news, which I do not recommend looking at the news, but whatever, and it's just fear, 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 everywhere's fear, oh, run for your life, the world's falling apart, right? How do we do that? The answer is found in the book of Joshua, okay? And that's where we're going to be this morning in the book of Joshua chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to that. But we actually printed it out on your outlines as well. And you have to understand, okay? Remember, the Israelites have been walking through the desert for 40 years, and they're looking for their beloved promised land. And Moses has been leading these crazy people that were complaining about all types of stuff, you know, whatever. And Moses actually dies before they enter the promised land. He, gets to, he got to see it but he wasn't able to experience it. So he's about to die. He hands over this leadership role to this young, young leader named Joshua. And Joshua is now in charge of all the Israelites walking into the promised land. And what we're going to find through this, through this story is that fear is not as strong as you think it is. There's this idea of like, oh, no, I can never take that step. Oh, George, you have no idea how petrified I am of this or that. Fear is not as strong as you think it is. And we're going to learn that through the life of Joshua and this whole moment in the, in one of the most important moments in the Bible when it comes to the nation of Israel. So we're going to start that up in Joshua 1. Here's what it says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is a, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. So keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous. Then you will be successful. I have, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You pause there and give your attention. One of my favorite pieces of scripture um, it's so encouraging, and it encourages us. If you want to find a courageous life, then you have to do number one, fill in your outline, is you have to remember, you need to remember God's call. See, church, whether you, you're sitting here right now and you believe this or not, we all have a calling on our lives. And with Joshua, I mean, Joshua is in this crazy situation. He remembers when they would be complaining. I mean, God actually, like, brought food from heaven to help sustain these people through, the, through the, uh, the desert, right? The shade, the fire at night. I mean, 
How much more could God have possibly done? They walked through the Red Sea. I mean, it's crazy, right? But they would still complain. And he knows, like, what am I going to do? I'm just this young guy. And God knew that he was going to be filled with fear, with anxiety, with doubt in himself. And so what does he do? It didn't matter what Joshua thought because God reminded him that he had called Joshua to do exactly what he is about to do. God spoke words over Joshua's life and reminded him that he was the perfect person for the job, regardless if he was old, young, or anything, or, or any of his qualities. And that reminds me of my household. Okay, I don't know about your house, but in my house, there is the official bug killer in the family. Um, I don't know if you have this, where there's this one family member who's in charge of la cucaracha, you know, um, or whatever it is that's like maybe like infiltrating your house. In my house, it is not me, okay? Not because I can't do it, I'd just rather not, okay? Um, so uh, so in, in our house, it's Evelyn. Evelyn, my wife, she's like Mr. Miyagi. She just catches mosquitoes, like it's crazy, you know? And the worst feeling in the world, you're getting ready for bed. Good night, sweetie, good night. Turn on every light in the house. We are not sleeping until this mosquito is done, you know? Like that's how Evelyn is, that's how she operates. Well, a few weeks ago, this happened about two weeks ago, um, I'm getting the kids ready to go to, to, to sleep and stuff, whatever, and we have like this big curtain in our sliding glass door. So I start moving the curtain to close it, and as I close it, this guy shows up. Yeah, it's a cool one. He's cute. You see little hairs on his... Okay, yeah, right? So I see that. Two things happen. I obviously grab my phone, take that picture, because... I knew I was going to use this one day. And I was like, I got it. this has to be, a, you know, it's going to be in the message one day. Anyway, but then the second thing I did, I grabbed my kids and I tried to make them like touch it. And they started crying. I love being a parent. It's great. And I sent them off to go to sleep. Hopefully they had nightmares. It was great. It was awesome. But anyway, I do love my kids. I love my kids. But anyway, and so Evelyn goes into like bug terminator mode. I mean, she's like, she grabs her chancleta. She's like, let's go. You know, I'm like, no, whoa, 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 chill. Relax. Why don't you go take care of the kids? Get them to bed, you know. I'll take care of it. And the thing you have to understand about me, I am petrified of spiders, okay? I can't stand them. They're so, why did they gotta, why did God, make, that's what I'm gonna ask God, why do you gotta make them so creepy? You know, make them pink or something. I don't know, but like, that's ridiculous, you know? Like, ah. So she's like, you're gonna do it? I'm like, I'm gonna do it. Relax, I got this. She's like, okay. And I remember my, my daughter's going to her bed. She's like, are you sure, papi? I'm like, I just, just go to bed, right? Anyway, so she had a chancleta. She took the chancleta. I grabbed two pieces of paper towel. It seemed logical at the moment, right? I grabbed the two pieces of paper towel. That thing was about this big. And I grabbed the paper towel, and I've got really fast hands. I'm a drummer and stuff, you know, so it's on my wall. I'm just going to, you know. So I go, I go three, two, one. I go like that, and I start, you know. And I'm like, I'll repaint the wall. It doesn't matter. This thing's got to get taken out. Oh, sorry, you know. So I'm there like that. And in the middle of that, that dude crawls out and onto my hand. Like, <laughs> oh, he touched me, guys. <laughs> it was the worst. Um, I have never screamed louder in my entire life. <laughs> like, all my kids come out. My, like, Evelyn's just like, what are you? And I'm just like, ah! It, like, I squished it. I swear. I squished it. I even went like this. It crawled into the touched me. And she's just like, and she just destroys it, you know, and she walks it, puts it on her shoe, wuss, you know, and walks out. I love my wife. She's a bug killer. 
Why do I tell you this crazy story? Because when you've been called to do something, she is the bug killer. She is, she is our bug killer. You know, when you've been called to do something, you don't have time to fear. She didn't care how big the spider was. She's taking that thing out regardless if it was a rhinoceros or whatever. I mean, she's like, I got to take this out. Because that's what happens when we walk according to God's calling in our lives. He doesn't make a mistake, church, with the gifts and talents that he's given you. He doesn't make a mistake with the calling that we all have. According to Jesus, this is our calling. It says this in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What if I told you today that you were created, you were called to do incredible things for God's kingdom? You probably feel like me, petrified. Like, me? No, no, you're talking about somebody else. George, you're a pastor. That's easy for you to... No, 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 I'm not talking about pastors. I'm talking about you. You have been called to do incredible things for the glory of God. But that means I'm going to have to move to Africa. That means I'm going to have to sell all my stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. That could mean very simple things. But George, I just... I'm an accountant, George. I mean, what what can I do, you know? I work at Publix, right? I'm a a stay-at-home mom. I mean, what can I do for the kingdom of heaven? You're a stay-at-home mom? Number one, one of the hardest jobs on the planet number one. Number two, maybe raising a God-fearing child. That's a huge deal for the kingdom of God, right? See, we all can do it, but can I be honest? A lot of times, we run to fear first, because I don't know enough about the Bible to, to, to tell people about Jesus. I don't know. I can't share my faith at the office. That's weird, you know? I don't want to look weird and all of that, and all I'm hearing is excuse after excuse, and we have all the excuses, and I'm guilty as charged. So here's a pro tip, okay? How about just living a life that honors and glorifies God in the way you speak, in the way you conduct yourself, in the way you, you, you care for people and show compassion when nobody else cares about anybody in this world? When you're in the office and you tell somebody, hey, how can I pray for you? Hey, how's your, how's your uncle doing? I remember praying for him last week. People remember that and they wonder, like, what's wrong with that guy? But not in a bad way. They're going to be like, what makes him different? What makes her different? And that's the Jesus in you. You're preaching the gospel every single day that you walk outside of these walls, church. The question is, what message are you preaching? Because you have been called to do it. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says this, but you, not him, not her, not, no, no, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may what? Proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's incredible. So the next time fear starts knocking on your door, right, it's trying to control you, trying to get in the way of everything that God has called you to do, can you remember who God says you are in his word? Can you remind yourself the calling of God on your life that he sees so much more in you than we will ever see in ourselves? And that should not stop us from taking our first step, even if there is fear. Fear is normal, but courage is taking a step regardless of the fear. Let's continue the story. In Joshua 3, it says this, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. That means that it's like completely overflowing with water. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Crazy. It piled up in a heap a great distance away, 
at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Dead Sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. If you pause there and give me your attention, crazy story. Crazy, right? You want a courageous life? Number one, remember uh, God's call. Number two, remember God's strength. Remember his strength. A long time ago, I worked at a music store, and I thought it was ideal because I was a musician, so I should work at a music store. That's what we do, right? And uh, I became a manager, senior manager. I started, I started hiring people. I was in charge of hiring. And let me tell you something. The people who are showing up for a job interview at a music store, there's some characters, okay? There are some characters. And I remember getting the resumes and stuff, and and I would ask them questions about their experience and stuff. And a lot of times, I don't know why, they jumped. The, the, the interview would just start, hey, how's it going? I'm George. I'm the manager here. How can I help you? They say, oh, yeah. Uh, hey, man, how much uh, discounts do we get on, like, the, on the gear? You ask, that's the first question you're going to ask at a, at a job interview? I'm like, I'm not sure because you're not getting hired. Peace, bro. They're like, oh, dude, so messed up, bro. You know, whatever, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know why they sound like surfers, but a lot of them did. A lot of them probably weren't even in the same hemisphere as I was. Anyway, it's like, yeah, man, I just want to work here. You know, I got a lot of experience. All right, let's, let's check out your resume. So I'd read, and they would write the craziest things on their resume. Okay? Give an example. This one guy shows up. He says, okay, according to your resume, it says here you're a regulated petroleum transfer engineer. Whoa. That sounds impressive. I mean, why do you want to work in a music store? He's like, oh, I just want to try something different, you know? They're all surfers, by the way. Sorry. I don't know why. And so he, he like, so what did you do in this, in this job? He's like, oh, I, um, I made sure that I, the petroleum was regulated when it got transferred. Right, and you're the engineer. I'm the engineer. Oh, cool, cool, cool. So, but like, wh where were you transferring the petroleum to? He's like, uh, different vehicles and stuff and things. And it had to be regulated. I'm like, okay, are you telling me you just filled up cars with gas? I worked at a gas station. Yeah, that's how I am. <laughs> Regulated petroleum transfer engineer. Like, why did you just write that I worked at Amico for two years? I mean, like, what's wrong with you? Uh, just, you know, I'm an engineer. You know, like, why? Like, it was crazy, so exaggerated. It was ridiculous, right? Another one that I, that I loved was, oh, uh, it says here that you were a beverage dissemination officer. Anybody want to take a, a, a gander, a, a guess? What is a beverage dissemination officer? Anybody? A bartender. I'm a bartender. I'm like, why didn't you just write that you were a bartender, right? And then my favorite one, there's a bunch of them, but this is my favorite one, transparency enhancement facilitator. Whoa, that guy wears a suit for sure. What's a transparency enhancement facilitator? What'd, what'd you say? A window washer, that's right. <laughs> and I'm like, and I remember being there, I'm like, I mean, you do enhance transparency. I mean, like, you know, you got to wash the window. Eh? I'll give you credit for that one. But a whopping 75% of hiring managers find some type of exaggerated thing on resumes. And why? Why do you think we do that? Fear. Fear. Because we have been conditioned, church, in this world, to make sure we look the part, 
we walk the walk, can talk the talk, and that nothing is wrong. We walk in on church morning sometimes, and you're falling apart on the inside. You're, God bless you, brother. God's good. Always good. You know? Oh, you want to pray for me? I don't need prayer. How can I pray for you? Because I am perfectly fine. Right? Guilty is charged. We all have our struggles. We don't know the struggles that all of us are going through. And that's okay. I'm not talking about, like, it's bad to struggle. I'm talking about what's bad is to rely on yourself to make yourself look stronger than you really are. And give yourself more credit. Transparency enhancement facilitator, you wash windows, man. It's okay to tell the truth. And it's okay if you're struggling. But it's not okay to walk every single day of your life not relying on God's strength, thinking that you have it all put together and you don't need God. Because, my friends, if you keep living like that, you're going to live a very very frustrated job. And I love that Joshua says, consecrate yourselves to, to the Israelites. Literally, change your perspective. Get right with God. Humble yourself because not me, not you guys, the Lord is about to blow your minds. He never took credit for a single thing that God did the entire time that they were on their way to the promised land. And he's, he stops the water from rushing through them so they can walk through another dry land. I mean, just like, it's like a throwback to 40 years ago, walking through the Red Sea. Some of them were there, and they're like, I remember this. This is amazing. And they walk through, and they finally get to the promised land. But here's where I don't want you to get it twisted. A lot of preachers today say, God's got a promised land for you. You got to reach out and grab it. You got to go walk into your promised land. Grab it, and with faith, you got to... Okay, I understand the idea behind that. But can I tell you the truth? The moment they stu stood on their promised land, that was the beginning of years and years of battles. Of, I mean, just so many different things, so much opposition. It wasn't just like free for the taking. No, do whatever you want. This is the promised land. We're chilling. Woohoo! yeah. No, it's not a vacation. And it's the same thing in our lives. It, it took them 31, they had to conquer 31 kings before that land was there. And then the same thing in our lives. If we're going to overcome fear in our lives and, and be courageous, then you have to understand, church, it's not going to be easy. It's not. I wish I can give you the good news that makes you feel good. So when you walk out, I'm like, I'm good. And you can still fake it as you make it outside. No, no, that's not what church is about. You see, it's going to be a battle. It's going to take work. There are going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. But please don't allow a bad day in your life hold you back from a good day walking with God. But George, it feels like I've been fighting for a long time. It feels like I've been waiting for, for, for God forever. I've just been fighting this battle and waiting for God and fighting this battle and waiting for God. But that's the problem, isn't it? You've been fighting and waiting for God instead of starting the battle with God. Joshua won battles, he lost battles, but he got back up and he realized, listen, it's not up to me, it's up to God's strength to get me through this. And see, sometimes the hardest thing that we can do in life is understand there's some things that only God can do. I'm sorry to tell you this, I'm sorry to be the bearer of, of just the truth. It's not bad news, it's just the truth. There are certain people in your life, that you can try as hard as you can to love on them and just keep loving on them, but you're not going to be the one to change them. Because God's the one that does that. There are certain situations in life, maybe it's your career, you've been like, God, I've studied all these years, I got my degrees, and I haven't gotten a breakthrough, where, where are you? And he's thinking like, man, you're like three steps ahead of me, I'm trying to catch up to you, God Jr., <laughs> right? He says, no, but I want my career now. Mm -hmm. That's what my son does when he wants like a lollipop, no, I want, I want. <sighs> you know? And that's how, we, that's how we look. 
and we rely on our strength instead of his strength. We get frustrated, and we start doing the battle alone. What's that doctor going to say? What's the diagnosis going to say? I don't know. What, is, what if he gives us bad news? Are we ever going to have kids? Are we going to get married? All these things, all these battles in our lives, you're doing them alone, and you need to stop. Because remember where your strength comes from. In Psalm 27, it says this, that the Lord is my light and my salvation. So whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So church, let me encourage you. If you've been in a season where fear has really been taking over, when you've been in a season of waiting, season of depression, season of anxiety, all, all factors of fear, and you've been wondering where God's been, can you, can, you, can you take a moment this week and maybe stop and go, God, maybe I'm not the one waiting for you. Maybe you've been waiting for me to slow down because I've been so afraid of what happens if I face the truth. I just want to run as fast as I can away from it. And maybe you should pray a prayer this week. Say, God, I want to be in step with you. Not ahead of you. It says we walk with the Lord. We don't walk like, hey, come on. No, no, that's not the way it works. We walk in step with the Lord through the hardest situations in our lives. Amen? All right, let's continue and finish the story off. In Joshua 23, it says this. It's right, right about when he's about to pass away. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua by, the, by then was a very old man. He summoned all of Israel, their elders, their leaders, judges, officials, and he said to them, I am very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. You pause there and just give me your attention for a second. He's about to pass away and and I saved this for last because this is one of, the most, like, one of the most important things that ever comes out of Joshua's mouth. It's not in your notes. It's actually going to be on the screen so that we can all read it at the exact same time. And it says this in verse 14 of that same chapter. It says that now I am about to go the way of the earth, or I am about to pass away. He's literally about to die. And you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. It's incredible. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Joshua is about to die. He could have said anything, anything. Like, hey, man, remember that time? That was good days, you know? Remember the, when we walked through the Jordan? Whoa, remember all those fights? Crazy, no. And all he could do, he couldn't help it but talk about God's faithfulness. And if you want to have a courageous life, my friends, in the crazy world, this fearful world that wants to drive you crazy and all this stuff, then you need to remember God's faithfulness. He walked. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't re realize this. Joshua was a little kid in Egypt. He saw what the Lord did then. He walked through the Red Sea. He spied on the nation, on this, on this land, and now he's about to acquire he walked 40 years in a desert. He has seen God do everything and now finally walked into the promised land. And out of all things he could have done, what did he do? He reminded God's people of God's track record. Why? Because his track record was flawless. 
So many people didn't make it. So many people cursed God. So many people said, I don't need God. I'm good. I want, I want the golden calf, the whole deal. You can read the whole Bible. It's there in Deuteronomy and Exodus and all that. But my friends, I'm just, I'm just glad that God's faithfulness doesn't depend on mine. God doesn't look at George and go, oh, today you showed up to church. Here's a little bit of blessing. That's the way it works, right? It's like, oh, no, but like she showed up to church. But did you see what she did yesterday? Well, I'm, I wasn't to bless you, but mm-mm, uh-uh, girlfriend. That's not our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father sees the mess and jumps right in and loves you anyway. Our Heavenly Father sees the corruption, sees the sin, sees all of it. He even knows all the thoughts that are going through our minds. Even as I'm talking right now, you're thinking about all types of crazy stuff, right? All the movie scenes in your head. When I talk to her, oh, preparate, you know, all this stuff. He sees all of it. But he remains faithful. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny. You never have to fear if God will ever be faithful in your life. He just is. That's just who he is. But George, look look what I've done. Look at, he's faithful. That doesn't do anything to God. God remains faithful. And if I can just be really transparent with you guys, really honest with you, I learned this a long time ago and I started doing this and I really highly recommend you do this as well. Someone told me a long time ago when I first became a Christian, get a document, get a diary, get something, you know, like, and write down every time God makes a move in your life. Every time that some kind of miracle, some kind of crazy thing happened that could only be God, write it down. And I'm like, for what? I'll remember it. He's like, no, you won't. You think you will. The Israelites, they forgot all 40 years of walking through that desert. And Joshua's telling them, you need to remember God's track record. I have a document in my computer that I write down all this stuff. And I remember when I thought, I, I wrote down my thing. I remember going like, like God, am I ever going to get married? You know, and I remember praying that prayer for a long time. I was single for a long time. And he did it. He gave me Evelyn. She's hot. I was like, what? I, I, I'm like, I didn't even ask for all that, God. But okay, you know, cool. You know, because like she's hot, I'm not. But I mean, I don't know how that works. But hey, God, hey, amen, hallelujah. Woo-hoo. You know, he did it. So I wrote it down. As simple as that. I'm like, God, I, I, am I going to get married? Fast forward on this date. She said yes. He's faithful. I remember sitting there and thinking, I've been sick for a long time, God. <laughs> I was sick for a really long time. And because uh, I was a kid, you know, like, like, God, I know there's a little bit too much to ask for, but hey, am I ever going to get healed? I know this is kind of like absurd. This is like the stuff that you see in the movies and like, you know, oh, you're going to get healed and I'll be able to walk and all that stuff, whatever. He healed me. Yeah, you can say amen because he's, he's a faithful God. You can clap. Yeah, sure. He's a faithful God. I remember writing, when is my family going to get saved, Lord? Man, have I been praying for that. I was the first Christian to show up in my family. Everybody's like, what happened to you? You're a Christian? No, what the? You know? And I remember just praying, like, when am I, when, when am I going to see my family saved? And they're all saved. Every last one of them. Yeah, it's amazing. And can I tell you the truth? That has nothing to do with me. 
that has nothing to do with anything. I remember not even telling my brother about that. I was just like, hey, why don't you come to church? Uh, music is good. I don't know. I had no idea how to invite people to church, you know, and, and he showed up. And then one day, one of those connection cards passes by, and I see my brother's name, and he gave his life to Jesus. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. You can't be that faithful. And that's the problem, isn't it? Fear makes us believe that God is not as faithful as he says he is. But can I tell you the truth? Fear cannot survive in us when we remember the battles that God has won for us. So if you don't write down those things, you're going to forget about those things. And when, the, when, when you're in a really hard situation, you're going to think, oh, fear's got me. It's over. This is the end of the world. This, see, these last two years, this is going to be the rest of our lives. It's going to be over. My life is over. Just take out that little, that little track record of God and be like, you know what? I'm going to be all right. And God is faithful enough that, you know what? He sees the mess and he brings his son Jesus into the picture for you and I. And Jesus literally redefines the definition of fear. It's the last thing in your outline. What is fear according to Jesus? Remember the other one? Reality, whatever, the whole thing, it seems real, whatever. This one is this. Fear is face everything and rise. Face everything and rise because that's exactly what our Savior Jesus Christ did for you and I. He faced all of my sin, all of my mistakes, all the, the, just the disgusting parts of my life. And he faced it. He got on that cross and he died and he was buried. And then three days later, he rose again. Why? Because he looked death straight in the face and said, I don't have time for you right now. I've already promised too many people that I would be back. And I have too many things to do through these people. And those people are you people us, every one of us, his church. No matter the circumstance you're in, with Jesus, we rise. No matter the sin, no matter the shame, no matter the fear that you think is holding you back from all that God's called you to do, when you have Jesus, you rise above that. So we need to stop and face our fears. We need to face it and rise. That's exactly what he did. And today you have the opportunity to do just that, to rise above I know there's fear. It's not, that, that's probably not going to go away. But what is going to go away is how much control that has. You can either be living here, wondering when this is going to let you go, or you can let go of that and hold on to the only person that can rescue you out of that situation, who is Jesus Christ. So when you put your trust and faith in Jesus, which you're going to be able to do that right now at the end of the service, right now. Maybe you've, been, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you just kind of felt a little distant from God. Is it God who's distant or is it, right? But when you put your faith and trust in our Savior, you rise over fear and you embrace faith. When you rise out of the depression, you're going to find joy. With Jesus, you rise out of anxiety and you finally take a breath and find peace. When you have Jesus, you rise out of, most importantly, your sin that's holding you back from a relationship with God. That you think, you're not, I'm not good enough for that. Yeah, but Jesus was. That's why he gave his life for you. So you don't have to worry about the sin in your life. Because when you have Jesus in your life, you rise over the sin and you find forgiveness for your soul for eternity. So today, you can tell fear, I'm sorry. I don't have time. Ain't nobody got time for you, fear. Because today, I'm no longer a slave to you. Today, I'm no longer controlled by you. Today, I'm too busy to worry about you because I'm following my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah. 
And let me tell you the truth. That doesn't mean that you make, you make that decision to follow Jesus today and you're just going to be frolicking around the meadows. Woohoo! It's going to be great. No. I don't know why I frolicked for real, but I did. It's a good frolic. Eight out of ten. Anyway. No, that means it's going to be hard. The promised land is right in front of your face. And you can walk right onto it. But that doesn't mean you own all of it. Yet. You've got to work at it every single day. You have to work because this world is telling you, fear. But Jesus is telling you, just don't worry about that. Keep your eyes on me. Remember that I never break a promise. Remember that I have saved you before and I will save you again. I am faithful. I don't know who this is for, but I know it's for me. Because fear grabs a hold of me every single day. When you read the news, when you read it, when you hear about people passing away, the sick, and all this, all this stuff. And it grabs a hold of me. But I've got to take a moment and go, no, 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 no. Where's that document? Nah, man, he's got this. Get this out of here. And so I want to give you the opportunity today to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you have to rededicate your life back to Jesus because you've been kind of a couple steps ahead of him in your walk. And God's calling you back to slow down. Walk hand in hand with someone who will never leave you, will never forsake you, and is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Because, man, you're so faithful. I mean, you're, you're, it doesn't even make any sense how faithful you are, God. Even when we're faithless, even when we're walking away from you, even in our sin, God, it says in your word that even while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us, God. I can't ever deserve a love that great, but you chose to give it, give it to us anyway. So right now, Lord, I'm sorry for the moments in my life. I'm so, we're sorry for the moments in our lives where fear has kind of taken the place of you. Instead of you dictating our life, directing our life, fear has been the one kind of manipulating our walk with you, God, and our walk of our relationships and our lives and all of that, God. And I just pray right now that today would be the day that we surrender this fear to you, God. Fear is always going to be there, God. But we're asking for courage to walk beyond that, that we take a step of faith towards you every single day of our lives, God. This world is falling apart without you, God. So I just pray that you would refuel us, remind us of what you've done in our lives, that we would depend on your strength and remember that you've called us. You haven't made a mistake with each and every one of us in this room. So every eye closed, every head bowed. I just want to take a moment to just give you an opportunity to, to, to commit your life to Jesus. I want to give you a moment to surrender fear for once and for all. That's it. This is the day it's going to happen. Don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry about if someone's watching. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you need a Savior and you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ, and I want to invite you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you right now. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. It's the best decision you can ever make. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Thank you. God bless. See you in the back. I see you in the front. Father, thank you for every hand that was raised. More importantly, thank you for every decision that was made in our hearts today. God, I pray that today would be the first step in many steps of seeing how faithful you truly can be in our lives. No matter what comes against us, God, you are going to be with us. Your word promises that, and you do not break your promises. So for those of you who raised your hand, I want to I pray a, a simple prayer. It's not a magic formula, all of that. But if you pray this in sincerity, and you, the word says in the Bible that if you uh, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. 
And I want you to pray this prayer out loud and repeat after me. And we're all going to pray this together to encourage all of us who are praying this prayer this morning. And just repeat this. Just say this. Say, dear God, I come to you today and I say that I'm sorry for the mistakes in my life, for the sin in my life. I believe that Jesus gave his life and rose three days later so that I can have mine. I want to follow him all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and everyone says, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.